Tyler win an MVP this year? I hope so. Uh, you guys are you guys are up to something. This was the worst comments I ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time. Run up pads on, so we're not gonna talk about a whole lot of nothing. Tuesday is sparring day. Wednesday is day that we install everything that we're gonna do in the game, and Thursday we just turn it up a notch, you know. We are sitting here a day before the preseason games. This episode might come out maybe after because we're not talking preseason, not big preseason guys. Perhaps we'll get a preseason musings episode before uh, before the regular season begins. I did want to start off by saying I listened to a bunch of episodes, uh, that pretty much all the episodes that we posted, and I, I seem to smack my lips before I start talking. I go like this all the time and I'm going to do my best to stop doing that because it was really annoying to listen to. <laughs> I also <laughs> I wasn't even sure if you guys noticed that, but I just, I was like, what, what am I doing? It was almost like last year. I just kept saying, I mean, over and over again. Every time I started a sentence, I would yeah. say, I mean, and so, uh, and in the constant pursuit of improvement here. Tommy, you're clearly I mean, leaning closer to the computer than all of us. I just need you to just just chill, man. I know you may look like the, the like Adam said, you may look like well, I don't know what the word is. You're just like a apparition. You're just like a you know a black figure, silhouette. a silhouette exactly. But we can we can hear you fine. Uh, Sorry. All right, I'll roll with the, I'll roll silhouette style. But all I was gonna say is I also was listening to some of our our episodes and. I say you know about every other word, so I'm going to consciously work on that as well. So uh, shout out we're, we're always in the business of improvement. Exactly. Shout out Chicklets. Uh, I, I don't do episode. anything wrong. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to start off this episode by saying, uh, or just getting the opinion of Tommy on Madden 20. Let's get your Madden 20 opinion. Where's the franchise at? What do you think of the overall gameplay? My biggest issue with Madden 19, one of the worst video games of all time, uh, was when you're running the ball, it was like your running backs or receivers had skis on when you're trying to cut. And so I, I was just wondering what, you know, what the, are the improvements this year? Do you like the game? Go ahead. Uh, you know, I think this game is a big improvement from the whole next-gen quote-unquote Madden series, which I guess would be 17, 18, and 19 when they – introduced you know the run after catch these these new features and i think this is kind of the uh accumulation of all of these games and they really you know franchise mode has has suffered the the last couple years since ultimate team that's kind of the commonly held opinion in in the gaming community and and all of uh sports gaming communities that now that ultimate team has come and it's you know, uh, aggressive capitalism uh, is taking over our beloved games. And, uh, you know, they have this profit motive, so they don't really pay attention to the other game modes because they need to, you know, milk that for all it's worth. But that being said, I think franchise mode has made a lot of good steps this year. Um, the draft's more realistic. The rating scale is more realistic. Uh, the trades are a bit more realistic. It still isn't uh, a, a direct simulation. But I think that it's on the right track. And right now, head coach Adam Klepp, we're in year three in Detroit. Stafford's still a quarterback. I drafted K.J. Costello in the second round. He's the heir apparent. And uh, we've lost to the Packers the past two years in the playoffs. So, you know, we're, we're, it's an uphill battle. And, uh, you know, we're always just trying to get better here. But, oh, also, side note, Jakeem Grant has come in and just become my number two receiver behind Galladay. Jakeem Grant is just making plays all over. And for all you Madden guys out there, get Jakeem Grant in your franchise mode. He's a little O.P. 
That's all I'm going to say. So well, that, that was a, uh, a former draft guy of myself. Yeah, Texas Tech, baby. Great, great kick returner. And, and actually had a nice year last year for the Dolphins. So, uh, But I would I would give Madden, Madden uh, 20 a B-plus to Madden 19's C. Interesting. Or maybe C-plus. Maybe we'll, we'll do one full level letter grade up. So if you haven't listened to it already, Lee and Tommy, I think it was the first ever podcast episode without yours truly in it. And this was the Gambling Corner Recap. Or th- this segment is the Gambling Corner recap, but Lee and Tommy did the Gambling Corner podcast episode where they just went over some of their lines. The basic premise was they had $100 for every team, so $3,200 in the bankroll, and they bet it on what they saw were the best props, best value, best win totals, and, and things of that nature. So great episode. Go check that out. But after, when I was listening to it, I said a few things I would like to bring up. The first thing is that last year I had a great bet. Uh, all NFC road teams in the wild card round for $25 parlay and uh, brutally lost that because of the Cowboys beating the Seahawks was, was three of one could have been a big payday for me. would have been a nice day at the, the Cayman beaches, maybe ordering a few drinks if I had uh, won that some special room service. But unfortunately that one fell through, but Lee, I wanted to start with you. You have the, the a lot on the Lions there, and I will just warn you that you know the moment that you go all in on Detroit is the moment that they they break your heart. Uh, so th- that's always a tough look. But also having the Vikings, that Vikings one seed bet, along with the Lions in the playoffs, that's a lot of wins going around the NFC North. I was just wondering where your head was at with that uh, sort of prediction. Yeah, I mean. The Vikings play was more of a value play. If you know, I don't even necessarily think that they're my favorite to win the NFC, but I just think that they're kind of one of those dark horse teams where not a lot of people are really talking about them right now, and I just thought the value on them to be the one seed in the NFC was, I think, favorable just with the improvements they made along their offensive line. Um, so that was kind of more of a flyer than anything. Um, the, the criticism on the Lions is, is favorable. Full disclosure, I won't be betting a single dollar of my own money on the Lions this year. <laughs> Um, that was more just kind of like trying to be objective and, you know, use the bankroll that I had. I have a lot of faith in them, but I just too much bad juju in the air. If I start putting on my own hard earned dollars on, uh, on the lions this year, I've got enough. Uh, I think, I I think at this point I've got enough emotionally at stake to, to be content with my, with seeing them win games without having to earn money from it. But honestly, you know, I kind of just, like I said, a couple times in the podcast, put my money where my mouth was. I have a lot of faith in this lions team and, they're valued on most sports books as when you look at Super Bowl odds or record odds or whatever it may be, division, uh, division odds, they're valued as one of the bottom five to seven teams in the league. And I just think that that's uh, a massive underestim- underestimation of the, of the talent and the, and the ability to, step for- to make the next step that this team has. And I kind of just went in with a lot of faith on them. You know, there always is the, of course, this is kind of a team that's cursed with the Browns kind of coming into – they're coming into fruition as a, as a solid team in the NFL now and having their, their quarterback and a lot of pieces around him. The Lions are now the most cursed team in the NFL, I think it's fair to say. Um, and, you know, that definitely wasn't necessarily taken into account. Uh, and, you know, it's solid, solid criticism, but uh, I, stand, I stand by my, my gambling corner, uh, my, my big money plays. Fair enough, fair enough. And Tommy was, was going over those interception totals. And I was just wondering off the top of your head if you knew what the odds were on Trubisky to lead the league in picks. Where's that Where's that line at? I'm assuming that Plus it was 
Was it thirty three hundred? Wow, yeah. so that's a lot more than it was I one of the lowest thought. in the league. Uh, he, they, he he throws the ball like twenty times a game because they well, know. Did, Lee, did we bring that up during the podcast or was that post pod when we I were think talking? That was, I think it was pre pod. It was pre pod. Okay. I said Trubisky. Well, and and you and you brought it up with Goff. Yeah, that was kind of mm-hmm. your dark horse, but you said it with the caveat, and I think this also applies to. You. Trubisky, that with that McVeigh slash Nagy system, so much of that is an extension of, um, so much of their offensive output is an extension of the offensive coaching that they have around them. So that would just be my only, um, you know, my only caveat to, to, to Trubisky potentially leading the league in interceptions. But at 3,300, I think that's great value. And what about Matt? Was Matt Judon on that sacks leader list? Oh, man. If he was, he was that'd down be a, by that'd be a heck of a bet. By TJ Watt, I had I had TJ Watt was my dark horse at five thousand. I'm sure Judon got to be in that six five thousand range. I wonder if oh, he's more. even on the list. He's not on the list. You'd have to go to you'd have to go to West Westgate and make some negotiations. You'd have to take that plane ride to Vegas, I think, to get that ticket. <laughs> I don't think you're finding that one on Bavada. Um, but something that um, and then. Well, I was just going to say one of my takeaways from it with doing the, that podcast sans you, Adam, was that, man, I think you're, you're, you're in line to make a lot of money off the Falcons this year. They were one of the best values, I thought, in terms of betting. In terms of their over-under, they're at nine, and it's plus 115 for them to go over nine wins, just to recap. And then for them to make, for them, you know, to make the, uh, the playoffs is plus 145. And a little, another little tidbit I forgot to mention last uh, was them to have the best record in the in the NFL was plus eighteen hundred as well. So I thought those were all Clep specials. Yeah, you guys referenced the Falcons a lot, which made me happy for sure. If you guys had maybe one bet, if you put all of your thirty two hundred dollar bankroll on one bet, like what would that one bet be from the, from the podcast? Wow, I honestly think it would be the Falcons making the playoffs. I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. Um, I just don't see them. I just don't I, – maybe I, I – I don't see them winning seven or eight games this year. Like, I think nine is kind of their floor, honestly, unless Matt Ryan has the worst year of his career. And I think if they don't make the playoffs, Dan Quinn will get fired. Like, yeah, I, would go I as completely – far as to say that. I completely agree. Yeah, no. I was just yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the Falcons are the best value team, especially with those numbers I just shouted out. But I guess if I had to bet my full thirty-two hundred dollars, it would probably be on the Eagles to make the playoffs. They were they're a pretty heavy favorite. My bet was for five hundred dollars to net me two hundred and thirty-eight on them to make the playoffs. So I think that's probably the surest thing uh, on my on my books. Yeah, the Falcons have a tough kind of tough schedule, but I still I, I think they're cut out for it. I really do think that they're one of the better teams in the league. So you get plus well, money just- on them in the playoffs. Keep those uh, bets around, track how they do this year. I feel like, depending on how you guys come in, potentially get some investors next offseason. Oh, yeah, you never absolutely. Know. Instead of investing in the media product, maybe just investing in the minds of the gamblers of this, uh, <laughs> of this, of this show. Um, so let's jump into another segment. So preseason week one is coming tomorrow, but I don't get too excited about that. I've been around this this league too often to get excited about preseason football, and then it kind of just lets me down. Um, I might track how the Lions do, but Stafford's not playing. 
I might watch their third game. We'll see. Uh, the beat writers will, will tell me who's showing out and who's going to make the, the bubble roster. I don't really feel the need to watch it necessarily for myself. But let's talk about week one, the real week one of this NFL season. Uh, we've been talking just off the off the cuff even before pods just like salivating over this week one schedule because it's the most exciting week of, week of the year. A lot of these teams have chances to, to do something or we have our little sleepers that we want to watch. And if you don't mind me, I'll, I'll just start off with my week one game that I'm most excited about. And this is the Atlanta Falcons at the Minnesota Vikings. Um, these are two teams in the NFC that I see as high rollers. And by any stretch of the imagination, whoever loses this game, I'm definitely not jumping ship on. But the Vikings are my pick to win the NFC North. Falcons are my pick to win the NFC South and the Super Bowl. I want to see these two teams clash and go at it. And I want to see just a high-class football game. Yeah, Clef, I think that's a great pick. I was thinking about that one as well. Uh, and also, I mean, I, that game is in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're both going to be, uh, you know, it goes back to that stat that we brought up. Lee brought it up in the gambling pod, and you've brought it up in, you know, not only your Overnight Bus article, but in your NFC South uh, preview, if I remember correctly. But just the fact that the Falcons are playing so many games in a dome, and I just – I just, you know, you got you got to believe that that's gonna there's gonna be some offensive fireworks in that game, and I'm also interested to see how this Falcons defense looks, uh, you know, fully healthy. Knock on wood, hopefully for the for for this time this year. So uh, that's yeah. gonna be an interesting game. Yeah, that's Klepp, uh That's an I knew you were gonna pick that matchup. I, I actually I saw I, I purposely didn't pick it because <laughs> I knew that was gonna be yours, and I respect the heck out of you for it. And I think. As of right now, barring anything changing before week one, I'm obviously toying with the idea of putting Philly in there, but these are my top two teams in the NFC, um, prediction-wise, looking down the road. And I just think that this is a matchup that I'm absolutely looking forward to. If I'm not mistaken, it's on the 1 o'clock slate, so we're going to get it uh, just along with all those other games. It's going to be a fun game to, to, uh, to be keeping track of and absolutely really looking forward to it. Probably is the best. Just witnessed best uh, the three, three years of back judge chemistry right there. Oh, yeah. Three years of back judge chemistry right there. We, we, <laughs> we're on that wavelength. <laughs> Tommy, you can go ahead next. Yeah, sure. I'll, go, I'll move to the 405 slot, and that's the Indianapolis Colts charging to the. Uh, charging. Sorry, there's a little Freudian slip there. But uh, making the trip down to StubHub Center to uh, go and play the Chargers in LA. Uh, you know, I think. I, I think we both, you know, both of these teams, I think we all think are going to be in the playoffs this year. But I just want to see if both of these teams can, you know, uh, pick up where they left off last year. And I, wa- I want to see, is Luck going to be healthy for week one? How's that calf doing? I'm assuming he's going to be. Uh, the Melvin Gordon situation, I just think this is a, a, an early preview of, of AFC juggernauts in week one. So I'm, I'm very excited for that one. Absolutely. I think that's another extremely interesting matchup. Again, like Kleps being the most entertaining of the 1 o'clock, I think that's probably the most entertaining of the afternoon games. Um, absolutely looking forward to that one. And seeing, you know, maybe if in, uh, if in year three here, if I'm not mistaken, maybe year two, the, the Los Angeles Chargers will have a home field advantage of any sort whatsoever. Will, will be kind of interesting. I'm assuming they won't, but should be interesting to see if maybe if a few more fans turn out after the, the playoff win last year. Um, to round up this little week one segment, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself the luxury of tallying two games together here, just because I'm I'm going last. I'm gonna start off with the the season opener: 
Packers at Bears, baby. I mean, that's a division matchup to start off the season. Love that Thursday night game. Going to be at Soldier Field. I really think there's no better way to kick off the season. And just for us NFC North guys, really being able to kind of break down these two teams without, you know, having the Lions be playing is, is always, you know, a luxury that I, I like having, you know. And these are probably objectively the two, you know, looking at the uh, – gambling books recently after the podcast these are the two favorites to win the division so seeing these two teams clash and kind of seeing where they're at week one of the season what kinks they're going to kind of work out on that Thursday night game should be very exciting and then rounding it off with the Sunday night game that I got a little bit of prophecy in is the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Boston to play the New England Patriots Uh, I just think that that's always a great matchup always fun to watch two great coaches going at it Um, seeing if you know the Patriots are going to uh, continue their early season. I'm not going to call it slumps, but like I said uh, about the Bears game, working out kinks. The Patriots are, there's no better team in the league uh, working out kinks early in the year. And the Steelers, too, seeing how they're going to, you know, adjust from losing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon not being a part of the team anymore and kind of seeing what pieces they've put together to compete against arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, yeah. definitely really excited about those two games and even. Uh, excited just that the Packers Bears one is no longer the defending Super Bowl champ. I yeah. feel like that narrative was getting kind of tired, uh, and just mainly just because the Patriots keep winning, so it's just like annoying to see them every year. But uh, Goodell probably also didn't want to go to Foxborough, so that was probably playing into that a little bit. But definitely a historic matchup for the, for the NFL in that sense. And Steelers Patriots, you just can't can't underrate that at, at any point of the day. And so absolutely, just. Whether it be at 9 a.m. in London or 8 o'clock on Sunday Night Football or hidden away in a, in a 1 p.m. CBS line, always got to tune in for, for Steelers-Patriots. Yeah, definitely. And I almost ch- uh, picked that Packers-Bears game because I think, uh, you know, the NFC North is going to be – I mean, all these divisions are tough. But the NFC North especially, uh, there's, there's so many storylines that we've talked about on, in that division throughout the summer. And, you know, what is this offense going to look like with Matt LaFleur for the Packers? And how does this Chicago's Bears defense look – uh, without Vic Fangio and last year was a great game uh, in week one with the Packers coming out with a slight win even though you know Khalil Mack made quite the debut but I just think this it's the oldest rivalry in the NFL baby what, what what's better than that well very good just a nice week one primer here I, I just I just was looking at that week one slate and really just wanted to dive into it a little bit I know we're not doing the full deep dive like we will come September but just, just too much football that, that weekend that I'm excited about to not already start discussing it. Absolutely. Salivating looking at this week one schedule. And like you said, it's hard to go over all the topics you're excited about, but there's just too much to – there's too much to – obviously we've got so much on Trubisky and so much on the Packers and so much on the Colts and Chargers and these, these teams that we've all, you know, been analyzing for just about, you know, since the Super Bowl ended last year and just – Seeing that it's so close at this point is, you know, there's really nothing better. It's really getting to be that time of year. And talking about these teams over the summer just makes you more a little more invested in everyone. I remember last year rooting hard for the Seahawks because we were kind of in on them as a sleeper team. I'll be, you know, pulling hard for the Bills a little bit this year for sure. So just just a lot of squads out there that I'm, I've kind of put some stock into other ones that I'm selling that I hope kind of bottom out a little bit, such as uh, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely definitely exciting. And let's also too. I've listened to all the division preview podcasts, and I want to do a little, little division revision here. So uh, things, few things have changed, uh, and other things have just changed in my mind. 
And I'll start it off by saying I predicted the Ravens to finish ahead of the Browns in the AFC North, and I'm switching that back. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Steelers, Browns, uh, Ravens, Bengals. In the moment, I was just kind of trying to be a, a little contrarian, somewhat to, to what was going on in the podcast. I was almost doing it for the good of the show. But the thing that really tipped me over the edge here was seeing the – I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it's something like Jim Harbaugh saying, bet the over for 102 rushing attempts for Lamar Jackson. And it's, it was some ridiculous amount that he was projecting, like, you know, he's going to have 10 rushes a game. And, yes, Lamar Jackson's a great athlete, but it just proved to me that the coaching staff doesn't really believe in his ability to throw from the pocket at all and that perhaps there hasn't really been any improvement in that in that sense of the game. And I'm just not going to put my money on, on somebody who can't do that from the quarterback position in the NFL. Very effective runner, but also pretty lean, takes a lot of hits. Uh, who knows if he'll be able to stay healthy if he's running that amount. So I put the Browns uh, over the Ravens. I think that's yeah, interesting. I mean- I think that, I mean I that's I had the same that, that those are my standings so I, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean I definitely think the Ravens are going to be a tough out and I think you know Lamar Jackson can 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 win games certain ways but when it comes to what the Steelers and the Browns offer I just think they're a clear third team in that division right now on paper. Yeah, I um, definitely agree. I had the Browns in second as well and. There was actually a report, Clep, just to push back a little bit. I was reading the other day that uh, Lamar Jackson looks a lot better throwing the ball um, in camp and that he's looks just like kind of a different player. You know, you never really know how much to really buy into this stuff that comes out, but, uh, you know, it's not really changing my opinion too much. I definitely still believe that the Ravens can be kind of a wild card team in the way where you don't really know what you're going to get week to week and they could surprise some people. But at the same time, I think, like Tommy said, you're getting a little more consistency out of those top two teams that we, uh, that we mentioned earlier. The other revision that I wanted to make was uh, putting the Panthers ahead of the Bucks. I put the Bucks in third place and the Panthers in fourth. I want to flip those teams. I think Lee has led me to buy into the Bucks a little bit more than I wanted to. I'm really just not a Jameis guy, and I think their defense is, is still pretty bad. Um, I think too the Panthers started out six and two last year, and just them finishing the year one and seven with Cam shoulder injury kind of just left a sour taste in my mouth, and I think I'm kind of punishing them for that now, which maybe isn't so fair. Obviously, Cam's health is the biggest thing, and I'm not sold on that at the moment. But if he is back to his his ways, and especially if maybe DJ Moore can have a little bit of a breakout season, I think this team could be somewhat dangerous, and I just didn't want to put him in the gutter. Yeah, Clep. I mean, that was going to be one of my division revisions as well because uh, I, I was believing in the, the Lemur Buccaneers hype a little bit. And, and I, I completely agree with what you said. I, I 100% was punishing the Panthers for the way that they finished the season and, uh, you know, punishing Cam Newton for stuff that I guess he couldn't control. And if he's going to be healthy, I just think they have a better QB, a better offense, and a better defense than the Buccaneers. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to take that, even though I still think that the Panthers could be in uh, for a little bit of a down season. I'm going to double down. And I'm going I'm to drop the Saints. I'm going to drop the Saints to third in the division. And I'm, oh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to boost the Buccaneers to second in the division. I think that the Buccaneers are. This is the are, polarization that's plaguing our nation. This is, this is what happens, man. I'm, you guys want to double down and talking all that good talk. He's saying, you know, Lee was doing this, Lee was doing that. Well, you know what? I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah, maybe they don't have all the pieces that uh, and the weapons that these other teams have, but I think. From a pure standpoint of coaching, and there's there's a chip uh, on the shoulder of that Buccaneer team that I think 
is going to be felt by the rest of the division this year. And, you know, I, I want to make it clear, I didn't say it in the NFC South podcast after listening to it, the loss of Mark Ingram is going to be a big deal for the New Orleans Saints. You can't just replace you, that guy with Latavius Murray. Like, that's not a tip-for-tat replacement. And I think Mark Ingram's one of the big reasons why I think Baltimore is kind of gives them that wild-card status is because they now have a running back of that caliber. And I think a lot of people have forgotten how much of a load he took off of Alvin Kamara. I'm a huge Alvin Kamara guy, but... I don't necessarily think that he's going to have as easy of a time getting as many yards in the passing and running game without Mark Ingram there to kind of be that two-headed monster. And I just think that, like I said in the in the gambling podcast, the the Saints' luck is up, man. The 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 voodoo is has officially been felt in New Orleans, and I think Drew Brees will not win another Super Bowl. Um, and I think ultimately that he's he's nearing the end of his career, and we we saw him kind of peter out. Uh, towards the end of last year, obviously you have nothing but respect for that guy and think he can definitely, if anyone can prove me wrong, he's definitely one of the people who, who can. But I'm really sticking to my statement that they're going to revert back to their 7-9 and nine ways. I, I think that this team is going to be 7-9 and nine next year, and I think the Buccaneers ultimately can win 8 or 9 games. So I'm boosting them up to second in the division with, with Bruce Arians at the helm. I mean, uh, instant, instant prophecy real quick. I think I think what you just said is going to be in a future intro. I think you saying I'm bumping the buck stuff to second. I think that's future intro material. I think that's January intro material. That's the first thing I wanted to get off my chest. The second thing, I think you make a good point about Mark Ingram because once I think you know Mark Ingram quite possibly could be the most underrated back in the NFL. He really does everything. He runs the ball. He catches it out of the backfield. He blocks. But that being said, I think you can replace his production with. Uh, you know, Latavius Murray, Divine Ozigbo. I just think it just shows you what type. And then you have a guy like Kamara, who is one of the alpha elite running backs in the NFL, I think. So I don't think that's going to be too much. It obviously is a loss. It's not good. You'd like to have him in a perfect world. But with the salary cap and everything, uh, you, you know, I think you can Divine replace Ozigbo? Yeah, I did. He's a baller. He's a baller, baby. That, that's going to be in an intro. How about that? Fine. Yeah. Touche. Touche. I'll see you in January, boy. Yeah. Hashtag Dylan Mitchell. Uh, Lee, did you have a uh, <laughs> did you have a revision that you wanted to share? Um, going over the divisions in my head. Um, I'm not necessarily positive how I had the AFC South shaken out. Um, Colts, Jags. I want to bump the Texans over the Titans. If if I had the Texans as last, I think maybe I had the Texans in last because I was really hard on the. Bill O'Brien getting fired and the offensive line not working. I, I just think I see more of the Titans getting a top five to seven pick in the draft next year, maybe even moving up to draft a quarterback. I think that this is ultimately going to be Mariota's last year um, being a starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. So I want to make that clear that I do like Vrabel. I think they should keep him around. But without a, a, a quarterback, the quarterback consistency in Tennessee, they're not really going to amount to much. And I can – I can just see Mariota getting injured again this year and their receivers not working the way that that offensive uh, staff envisioned them to. So uh, maybe I had this, but just clarifying, I, I see the Titans as a five, four, five, maybe six win team this year and coming last in that division. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my revision there. And, Tommy, I just wanted to hear kind of does if hypothetically Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play a snap for the Cowboys this season, where do you think that puts them – 
in not maybe in the NFC East because I feel like we'd still put them ahead of the Giants and the Redskins. But where does it kind of put them in that? And but I, and I know you've had the Eagles as the, the front runner in that division. So where does that kind of put them in that wild card conversation in the NFC? I mean, I think in the NFC it takes them out of the wild card conversation, to be honest, man. And I think it would put them on par with a team like the Redskins. And that, the Redskins are a team that I think, uh, you know, have some potential. I mean, we we've talked about the value of running backs on the show before, and I feel like you and Clep, you and me have a pretty similar opinion. But I really think when you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who uh, relies so heavily on Ezekiel Elliott to to have success and to put himself in opportune situations to to succeed and to run a, a competent offense, I really think that you know it doesn't do them any favors. Uh, I do believe in Mike Weber and Tony Pollard, so I like you said, I I still probably will put them above the Redskins and still the, the second team in the NFC East with the way that they can play defense uh, and stay in games. But I really think that Zeke is so huge for this Cowboys offense, and uh, I think they need to pay him. That's just you know what it comes down to for me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I think the the biggest issue with that is just. Drafting him so high, well, that maturity also, but I mean, drafting him so high is like you invested such a big asset into this guy, and now he only played three years for you and is already demanding a huge contract. I think that's just uh, another reason not to select running backs first overall. I mean, we talk about the value you can get out of running backs in later rounds, but what about the fact that not only are you paying them at average market price or above average market price when you draft them in the first round, but they're going to demand that higher money when they become the player that you expect them to be. So um, I, I, I just wanted a little Ezekiel Elliott talk for the, for the pod. Yeah, I yeah. want to add on as well that I don't think that the Cowboys will win more than eight games if Zeke doesn't play this year. I think, I think that's a good prophecy, and I probably would be on that, on that board as well. I do think since he still has – has uh, two years left on his contract, I believe, with the fifth-year option. The good thing is that if, for you know, God forbid, he doesn't play this season, I still think that you can get value from him in terms of trading him. Uh, obviously, that would be a sour note to end it on, and I completely agree with you, Clep. It goes to show the the potential risk of spending a, a top-five selection on a running back. Um, so, you know, that's just another caveat I would add. I don't want to put this in the prophecy, but just as something that I think, I think Zeke will be playing for the Cowboys week one. I think they're going to figure something out. Yep. I, got, I, have, I mean, I have optimism that, that the Joneses like playing hardball, but at the end of the day, they recognize how much value there is that he brings to their team. You, you, he's the best player on that football team. So you got to bring yeah. him in. And I don't think that a lot of running backs, you can find that third round value. Zeke's not one of those guys. He's a special player. He's in that Saquon, Todd Gurley, one healthy class of running back that kind of transcends the position a little bit in a way that even Melvin Gordon doesn't. So I just think that there's too much value there. Just pay the man the 14 and a half or God forbid even 15 million that he wants. I, I think he would be worth it to be quite honest. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a Hall of Fame caliber player that you kind of just need to bite the bullet and pay. And especially Tommy and I have talked about this. If you want to consider paying Dak big ticket money around 28 to 32 million dollars, that's a no-brainer that you should be paying Zeke half, half as much and trying to get better value on a quarterback maybe in the draft. I think that'd be a much better move than trying to put all the chips in the Dak basket. Yeah, I, I mean, this is something that, that Stephen Jones came out and said that they're not going to be market setters, which I hope meaning, means more for the quarterback position. And obviously with Carson Wentz getting the 33 mil a year, I believe, that he got, I know that's what Dak is comparing himself to and what he, what he thinks he can get. But I just... 
think that is just way too much money to be paying, a, uh, you know, a glorified game manager. And I hate, I really hate slandering Dak like this because he's done so much in his career for a fourth round quarterback and has really been a, a very good quarterback for the Cowboys. But I still put Zeke, Amari, Jalen Smith, Byron Jones all ahead of paying Dak. I, I just think that they're more valuable to the team. Fair enough. Good, good Cowboys chat. And let's, Finish up this podcast with a little new new thing I wanted to try. We'll see how it works out. I'm not sure if this will be a hit or not, but we're going to do a little trivia. So I have two former NFL players here, and I got three little hints, and it's between you guys, a little competition, brotherly love, oh, God. to, uh, to, no to name the player first. Name the player first, so so we'll see. All right, so, so the first player. This Samoan linebacker was selected 45th overall in the 2005 draft. Raymal, oh, Lufa Tupu. Yes. Tommy. Let's go, Adam Boy. That's Lufa Tupu. That's, that's the first Why one. Why not? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's what I do. All right, and let's uh, jump jump to the second one. I didn't even say any, I didn't even have a chance to even say anything. <laughs> I was about to say Tavai, and then you said 2005. I was like, oh, damn it. He was great. I remember Lofa. I yeah, just, well, the, the, your brain was just working the, a lot faster than mine. The the second the I mean there, there was there was two hints left. The second one is in his rookie season he made the Pro Bowl. He would go on to make three Pro Bowls in his career and one first team all pro and the last hint was he he played in Super Bowl XL. Wow. So that's easy money that's easy money for, for AIT. <laughs> all right. Second player, uh, this 2001 first-round pick out of Ole Miss wore the number 26 during his eight-year NF- eight NFL career. That's it? Yeah, well, that's the first hint. You got two more hints. I can move on to the next one. 2001, he's either a DB or a running back. He rushed for over 6,000 yards for this NFC South franchise. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, hit me with, uh... Ole Miss. Dude, who, who was the great running back for the Bucs and the, and the Falcons? Warwick Dunn. No, he went to nope. Florida State. Uh, nope. Oh, man. Is this Deuce McAllister? Yes, yes. with Deuce McAllister. Yes. A nice little, oh, nice little... Oh, wow, they tied. The boys tied. I'll take you got to have a third question. I'll take it. Come time. on, man. We're going to win. <laughs> Getting put on the spot here. I had one other thought. I haven't formulated three solid questions for this this specific player, but I mean, we can we can we can go ahead with it if you guys want to break this tie here. Our audience loves winners, man. They don't. They don't. We don't. We don't tie on the back judge, baby. We okay. Win. All right. Fair, okay, fair enough. Tie. Fair enough. For what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll try this one out. I, I have no idea if it's if it's gonna work as well because I haven't prepared as well. But uh, this wide receiver from Florida State was drafted to the Jets in the third round of the 2000 NFL Draft. Florida State Jets. Peter Warwick. No. He wore the number 87 and had two separate stints with the New York Jets. No. Chris Chambers. No. Tanner Moss went to the U, baby. Come on. You said work um, done for Ole Miss. 
Oh man, oh, I think wow. this might be one of those that we. Is there a third? Is there a third fact? Oh, let's see. Well, he made the Pro Bowl in two thousand and three. 8,609 receiving yards Ooh. in his career. David Boston? No. Nope. Number uh, 87 for the Jets. Keenan McCardell? No. This guy kind of always managed to sneak his way onto your fantasy team if you are playing back in the day. Oh, jeez. Is this Anquan? It, 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 it's a tougher oh. one, no. Anquan's another Florida State boy. Yeah, I know. What, what did he say then? What, what college did you say? Florida State. Oh, my bad. So should I just give it away here? Stumped here? I, I partially consider this my fault due to the, the lack of preparation on, no, on my, no, on my this, head. This is, this is okay. What, what, who is it? It's uh, Lavernius Coles. Oh, oh man. Wow. That's a good one. That was a good one. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is oh, man. <laughs> I kind of should have known that. I, that's... You know, it, this just kind of inspired me to, to throw some some players from our youths out here because I was in in the office yesterday. Everyone was just talking about all these players from like the seventies and eighties getting a little Hall of Fame talk, and I just had no idea who anybody was. So I thought I would uh, maybe toss out some players from the the early thousands. Yeah, no, hey, I man, playing, I love it. I guess there are ties on the back judge, but I've been playing Madden Eleven recently, actually, and uh, it's been a great breath of fresh air to kind of. See some of now, those players that I grew up with. Not only is Lee playing Madden 11, but he's playing NCAA 11 to make draft classes do import into Madden 11. That's a true <laughs> dynasty boy. Yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, I love just thumbing through the old NCAA games, you know, bring that franchise back. If any if any uh, podcast is for bringing the NCAA franchise back, it's the Back Judge Podcast. I mean, those are some great games. Been playing the heck out of NCAA 14. Thought I'd maybe throw it back a little bit. Been playing eleven. NCAA eleven is a great game too, man. They are just year after year making great games. So it's a franchise that we dearly miss here on the Back Judge, and we would love to have that that crooked NCAA and and, and Emrick, that the cruel leader of the NCAA, who I have so a lot of bad things to say about. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve myself right now because this is a clean podcast. But the NCAA needs to figure that stuff out so we can get a game here and let let these players. Uh, if you're not going to pay them, at least ma- let them make money off their likeness. Let them. Well, uh, t- I was hearing on the Gambling Pod rumors of the ever elusive Connor Ryan Lee Murray NCA football preview. Would love yeah. to see that come out. I mean, it- it's been talked about for three years now, and hasn't quite hit the hit the Garage Band airwaves. But yeah, I would yeah. Love, to- love to hear that happen. There well, was definitely think- a little bit of pushback year one. I think you're giving. Yes, a little there more was. Confused. Yes, and, and and we we we've loosened up the, the protocol. In the we back. Loosened this up is, the protocol. We're in, we're in, that was year zero, man. We don't. Uh, no, that's true.